Good morning. Y'all awake yet? Um, still learning, you know. Y'all just y'all got to learn me, but uh, I like to joke around. And so, Patrick, it's pretty talented that you can sing, play guitar, and adjust your microphone all at the same time. That's pretty yeah. impressive. I did see that. Um, I need to tighten that up. Yeah, Tighten something up on that microphone. He was holding it with his foot, playing, and then pushing with his mouth. It was pretty impressive. Um, never seen that before. But, uh, but go on and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Um, he got away with it, and then I called him out. So anyway, um, maybe it won't happen during invitation and you get distracted. But uh, so uh, the last time I preached, two weeks ago, we started a series where we're just looking at, um, uh, we're calling it 2020 Seeing Clearly, because, my, man, my goal, uh, I think you guys, I think we here at East have a really pretty plain and clear plan and, and, and process of discipleship, um, but I'm coming in and I've had to learn it, and so I'm assuming that some of you guys, it hasn't been made clear to you yet. Maybe you've missed it, maybe you haven't. Um, haven't seen everything that's going on. So um, what we're doing is we're just looking at what does it look like to be a part of this body of believers. And and for a while now, uh, you've, we've been defining that here uh, just before I got here, but um, as to be at the gathering, be in a group, and be a part of the movement of God. And so last week we looked at what does it mean to be at this gathering? What does it mean when we gather to worship in this worship service? What is the point... And, and why do we do what we do? And so last week we talked about two particular things that we found in Exodus chapter 33. There were two cries of Moses' heart that are important for us to grasp as believers in Christ. And those were, teach us to know you and be with us. Those are the two things that Moses cried out to God on Mount Sinai. And I think as we gather together every week, that needs to be the cry of our heart to those two things, to teach us to know you and um, be with us. And so this week, we're talking about groups. That's part number two of what it means to be a part of East. You're at the gathering, um, be at the gathering. But the second thing is to be in a group, okay? And so we've got groups kicking off this week that starts today, right now. There are two groups meeting on our campus, okay, right now. And then we've got more coming up on Wednesday. we got some on Monday, Tuesday, and I think Thursday. And so you, and then online ones. So you, we, we've hit you. Like it's, it's not a rifle here. It's a shotgun. So a sawed-off shotgun. We've blasted. There's no way you can't miss this, okay? Um, you can be a part of a group. And so we want to help you do that. But today is going to be all about that because groups are vitally important to what we do here at East. They really are. Um, but the key purpose of our groups is I'm going to kind of cast this vision today. The key purpose of our groups is growth. Um, and so we're going to talk about three particular ways that our groups are set up to help you grow, okay? Um, and so we're going to call those grow up, grow in, and grow out, okay? So simple, directional. My kids can get this, okay? And so I've tried to really sum this down where we can all see when you're a part of a group, you can see these three things go on. And so I'm going to flesh these things out. But if you've got a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. Did I already tell you all that? I did. Okay, good. You're already there. So Acts is the story. I heard, I heard the book of Acts summed up this way one time. Acts is the story of the Spirit of God working through the people of God for the glory of God. And so I think that's what the book of Acts is all about, to really sum it up. 
It's the work of God's Spirit in His people. And so um, we're talking, Acts chapters 1 and 2, just to give you some background before we get to Acts chapter 2, because it's a pivotal moment, you've got to understand what happened before. Acts chapter 1, we have the apostles gathered together with Jesus who's resurrecting, or he's already been resurrected, and now he's ascending into heaven, and he's given them this last charge of, of uh, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then, um, then Acts chapter 2 uh, tells us of, of uh, the Holy Spirit of God coming and indwelling his people with power and fire and passion. And so so much so that this ragtag bunch of rednecks called Jesus' apostles and followers become so emboldened that Peter, who this he was once a fearful little dude, he stands up before a mega church crowd and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he does it with passion and fire. And so he three thousand people, we're gonna that's the first verse we're gonna read, but three thousand people come to faith in Christ through Peter's proclamation of the gospel. And so the question is, this group of about 120, which is what Acts tells us was gathered together after Jesus' ascension, 120, grew to 3,120 like that. Now, that's not going to happen in the first service this morning because we don't have 3,000 people here. But what if, right? What if 20 people came this Sunday to be a part of what we're doing at East? What if 50 people came to be a part of what's going on at East in the next month? How would we assimilate them? How in the world would we plug them in to what God is doing here? The first thing, we'd challenge them, be at the gathering. The second thing, be in a group. That's what we're going to talk about today because we believe groups keep us small. No matter how large Lindsay Lane East grows, and I pray that we're busting walls and buying land and tearing houses down here to build what God's, just to, feel, just to be able to, to, having 14 services. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to figure it out. But we've got decisions to make in the future. But we're going to try to figure out how we can best reach more people. But groups are the thing that allow us to grow beyond and still keep a small mentality. That's what we got to have. And so our groups are so important. And so as I read this passage, I'm going to read the whole thing, verses 41 through 47. As I read this, I want you to listen for what you think I might, um, when I'm a, I'm a communicator, so like when I listen to somebody preach, I'm trying to, re, I'm trying to guess what their next point's going to be. So I want you guys to try to guess what my points are going to be. They're grow up, grow in, and grow out. So as I'm reading this, see if you can kind of um, listen for evidence of growing up, growing in, and growing out. Let me read it to you. So those who accepted uh, Peter's message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. Um, God, that, uh, that you didn't leave us on our own. Um, and God, that we're not here to figure this thing out by ourselves or to trust in pastors because you gave us the Holy Spirit 
uh, God, to indwell us and to lead us and to guide us. And you gave us your word uh, for the same purposes, God, to, to lead us. And so, Father, I pray today as we look biblically at what a church, um, the principles of growth in a church, God, I pray that, um, God, that you would just help us uh, apply these to our groups and help us uh, to, to dive headlong into what it looks like to have healthy groups in our church. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So um, let me get back in my notes here before we run long. All right, so before we start diving into this passage, okay, there's something you've got to understand about the book of Acts. A lot of, uh, a lot of people, um, okay, there's two different ways we can read the Bible. Uh, when, there, when a story is told in the Bible, it's one of two things. It's either prescriptive or descriptive. Okay, here's what I mean by that. When you read what somebody did in the Bible, if it's prescriptive, that means it's God telling you what you should do too. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, when we hear, when Jesus tells the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, we don't take that as, oh, well, he was talking to them, not us. We take that as prescriptive. That, he was not only speaking to them, he was speaking to us. There are some things, however, that are descriptive. Uh, for example, that, that means it just tells us what that person did. It doesn't necessarily correlate to us. David, when he heard this huge guy named Goliath blaspheming his God, he took five stones and a sling and killed him and cut off his head. Descriptive, not prescriptive, right? Your boss tomorrow takes the Lord's name in vain. Keep the stones on the ground, okay? Talk to him, pray for him, yes, but don't, you know, anyway, see, there's a difference. We understand that. You may not have ever thought about those two different terms, but it's important for us. So the book of Acts is, some people read the book of Acts as if it's all prescriptive. God, you know, you just read. Like they pretty much had one big bank account. They <laughs> sold their land, put it all into one bank account, like all of it, and then they just lived in tents. That's not what we're to take from the book of Acts, okay? But what we are to take from this passage and through the rest of the book of Acts, is certain principles that we can apply to our church. And so that's what we're going to look at today. You're, if you have read that passage and you're thinking, man, oh, okay, that's weird stuff. It is weird, okay? But again, it was a different time. It was, it, but it's, there are some principles that we're going to pull out of that. And so the first thing I want to look at is to grow up. And I'm calling that grow up, but uh, we're going to focus on knowledge and understanding of God's word. And so I think there, there's good evidence of this, and then we'll talk about how it relates to groups. These new believers in Jesus were likely all Jewish people, okay? Um, this was the festival of Pentecost was going on. And so people from all the nations who were Jewish would come to Jerusalem for this, this festival called Pentecost. And as they're coming, this, again, this redneck dude is standing up in front of them and talking about this Jesus who was just crucified 40 or so, you know, 40, 50 days earlier. And he's talking about this Jesus, that he was the son of God and that he, he died to save us from our sins. And so it's these Jewish people who have come together. So that's important to understand that they're Jewish people as they're coming together. So what we see is that they were devoted to two things. What's the first thing it tells us they were devoted to? Verse 42. They were devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right. Now, again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, just something you may not have thought about, okay? This section of your Bible, the New Testament, did not exist at this point. Think about that. 
the thing that we like to read the most, <laughs> the New Testament, for a lot of us, where we're most comfortable, didn't exist. What we had were scrolls that contained these, the Old Testament books. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles teaching? They were teaching the teachings of Jesus. That's what they were doing. They were teaching the very things that Jesus had told them. Nothing has been written down yet, but it's about to be. (laughs) Over the next 50 to 100 years, all of this is going to be written down. And so... As they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, these are the teachings of Jesus that are fleshed out later in, in all the books that we think about. And so it, could, it was very easy for them, right? Jesus, he's this new leader. We're going to follow him, and we're going to leave the temple, right? We're no longer Jewish. We're following Jesus. That's not what they did, though. What does it also say? Verse 40, oh, man, 46-ish. Oh, man, I closed my Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. 36, yeah, they devoted themselves to what? Meeting together in the temple, right, Way. Yeah, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. And so what's interesting about these followers of Jesus is they're devoting themselves to the teachings of Jesus through the apostles, but they don't neglect the word of God that had been previously given. That's important. For most of my minute, for most of my life, I've been a Christian for 25 years. Okay, I know I don't look 25 even, but I was saved when I was two months old. I'm just kidding. Um, I was I was saved early in life, seven years old, is when I believe I profess faith in Christ. Now it was a long journey of <laughs> figuring out uh, what that looked like. But for most of my life, most of 25 years, I'll be honest, even part of my ministry time, I like to swim in the New Testament. <laughs> I, did, I never would have said that the Old Testament was boring and dead. No, but I would have never said that. But if you were to look, I've gotten what my very first Bible like from my early journey with Christ is on my desk. And if you were to look at it, the Old Testament, like the pages are still stuck together. You know, when you get a new Bible, all the pages are stuck. But the New Testament, man, it's marked up and highlighted and there's stuff in the... I was I was I was focusing all my energy on the New Testament, and it's easier to read. It's easy to read about um, the disciples. It's easy to to read about these things, but but we can't. We've got to, as a church, focus on the whole counsel of God. Here's why. You know who the New Testament talks about. You know who Jesus references? Isaiah. He quotes Isaiah and Jeremiah. He talks about these key figures like Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He talks about Joseph. Oh, I forgot Noah. Throw Noah back in there. He talks about Joseph. Then he talks about David and Solomon. Right? He talks about these people. And if you don't have a working knowledge of the Old Testament, then all of that falls flat. It's like the conversations I have with some of you. I'm still getting to know you, Right? And so I'm talking, and you'll mention somebody. Like I do, do this with Greg, staff meeting. Takes twice as long as it should because they're talking about oh, so-and-so. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. You know, I, so nothing means anything. I have to slow down. And, and if you're reading the New Testament and you don't know the story of Moses, maybe you know that he went up on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, but you don't understand the depth of what was going on there, then it's fallen flat. 
And so a lot of our groups, you're going to see, they're focused on the New Testament. We've got two in the book of Romans this semester, or this session. We've got, we've got a, a gospel, uh, uh, the Harmony of the Gospels online thing. We've got awesome, awesome classes, and a lot of them are going to be focused on the New Testament. But I, uh, guys that are leading those groups, don't neglect the Old Testament. When, when some teachers, uh, facilitators, when something comes up that references the Old Testament, man, lock into it. Make sure everybody understands what's going on. But we're also, every semester, going to be offering classes that are going to help you learn the Old Testament. That's got to happen because God's Word is, is, is the same from beginning to end. Um, Jesus understood something, and his disciples did too, that Jesus wasn't changing things. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. What did he say? I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And so Jesus' disciples believed that what they were a part of, this new movement, was simply a continuation of what had already been going on. And so if your Old Testament, if the pages are all stuck together like they are mine, stop it. Stop. Read the Old Testament. Okay, be a part of a group that's going to focus on the Old Testament. The book of Romans, the two guys that are teaching Romans, good luck avoiding the Old Testament because it's over and over again. Paul brings up those, those Old Testament guys. And just a plug too, this summer or uh, probably uh, at least by the fall, um, we're going to kind of begin to dive into a series where we're going to look at the high moments of the Old Testament and kind of create folders in our mind of those stories and I think that's going to be helpful for us as a church so that we can communicate with each other clearly um, and understand the Old Testament. But that's coming down the pipe, all right? Um, but we've got to grow up, not just in the New Testament, but in the, whole, the Old Testament. We've got to grow up in the knowledge and understanding of God's Word. That's what our groups are about. They're not just there so you can check a box and say that you read your Bible. They're there so that you grow in your knowledge and understanding of all of God's Word. And so if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I don't know my Bible well, I'm glad you're at the gathering, but you need to be in a group. That's where you're going to learn. That's where your knowledge and understanding of God's word is going to explode. Why? Because God designed his word to be studied in community. And so this is important, what I'm doing. I believe that. Throughout Christian history, this is what we've done, proclaim the message to the people. But you need to be in a group. Why? If you raise your hand right now and said, I have a question, you can you feel free to do that. But like that's gonna really throw me off and I'm gonna wait, what so again, you're probably not gonna raise your hand in this group. But when you're sitting with a group of ten and somebody says something, you whoop. Throw your hand up and ask a question. There, that's, there's, there's room for that in a group and not in here. So our groups exist to help you grow up in your understanding of who God is and his word. And so if you want more of that, you need to sign up for a group, lindsaylaneeast.org slash groups. Look at your phone right now and do it. That's your, that's your invitation right now. Do that as I continue the sermon, okay? Um, <laughs> That'd be awesome to know that somebody signed up after point number one. That would be perfect. All right, it didn't even take three points to get you there. All right, second thing, the second principle that's found in these passages is we not only want people to grow up, but what we see in the passage is that they were growing in, growing in, caring for one another and meeting needs. So these verses are absolutely loaded with this one. 
if you read it. Um, there are a ton of evidence. They shared meals joyfully and with sincere hearts. They opened their homes to one another. Um, they provided for the physical needs of the whole body. And all these are summed up in one Greek word in verse 42. Anybody got their Greek New Testament open? Yeah, I don't either. Okay. Um, I don't know Greek, but there's great technology out there. <laughs> okay. But there's a Greek word that gets translated fellowship in most translations. You see fellowship in verse 42? It's the word koinonia. Koinonia. Okay. But let me, here's a test. When I say fellowship here at church, what do you think about? Casserole, covered dish, taco trivia. That's right. Notice what they, all, what they both had in common. Food, right? And so for some reason, we think food and fun. That's what fellowship is in the church today. And praise God for it. I like food and fun. But that's not the base meaning of what fellowship is. We can have taco trivia. We can have a casserole, covered dish, potluck, whatever. We can do those things and still not hit what this word means. Koinonia is a word that means so much more than that. Uh, it isn't dinner on the grounds. It could better be defined this way as a common sharing. Common sharing, listen, of everything. Everything. It carries the idea that in every other sphere of life, we might not be friends. We might not cross paths. I might not even speak to some of you if I saw you out besides just a, hey, how are you? But because Christ shed his blood for you and me, and he has brought us together as the church, then that puts you and me on even playing field. God has brought us together by the blood of Jesus, and therefore, whether our personalities are different, whether you got a weird philosophy of something that's different from me, Jesus Christ's blood is what unites us. And that uniting must involve a sharing of everything. A sharing of, of, of heart, sharing of, of financial need, if that, if that comes up. Because Jesus died for both of us, that makes you just as important to me as me. And if you're struggling, I should be willing, just as I would, if I got hungry, when I got hungry, you know what I do when I get hungry? I eat. And if you get hungry and you can't eat, you know what I should do according to Koinonia? Feed you. When, I've, when I'm hurting, you know what I do? I grieve. According to Koinonia, you know what I should do when you hurt? I should grieve. It's a common sharing that puts us on the same level. And it shoots holes in this whole superficial church that we've created in the 21st century where we say, how, how, how are you? And we... We have these pleasantries. That's not what the church is to be. It's not a hi, how are you mentality. It's a depth that we're supposed to know one another and be with one another. And it can't happen in a church, even the size of Lindsay Lane East, even though we're not massive. But you know where it can happen? In a group of 10, in a small group room. A group of 15 or a group of 5. Most of you are probably not going to, at the end of the service, say, uh, Pastor, I just want to let you know, me and my wife are having awful problems. She's fighting with me all the time. Could you pray for us? You're probably not going to do that. But your wife will bring it up in a small group. <laughs> 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 <Just kidding. laughs> 
right? I mean, we're much more willing to open up and share what's going on. You're probably not going to say, hey, we're struggling financially. Is there anybody that could help us today? You're probably not going to do that. But you know where you might be much more willing to find a place where you can share what's going on in your life? In a small group. You need a group. Because it's not only growing up in your knowledge and understanding of God, it's growing in as we care for one another and meet needs of one another. We don't necessarily think about selling all of our land and houses and putting all of our money into one bank account, like I said earlier. But this is a mindset shift that we need in our church today. We've got to get there. And I believe that groups are there. When you need prayer, and this is... This is all of you that are in groups. This is what we're about, okay? I don't know what your groups have been a part of in the past, but new day, new new chapter. This is what our groups need to be about, okay? This is in our this is in your group leader training. If you've ever been a group leader, this is part of the training. I'm not creating something here, okay? When you need prayer, your group should pray over you. When you're sick, your group should check on you. When you have surgery, your group should provide some meals to help you out. When there's a death in your family, your group should be there to help you as you grieve. That is why groups exist. Our groups will allow us to continue to grow larger and larger while keeping the same intimacy. This is what it's about. Healthy groups are essential to a growing and thriving church. You need to be in a group so that you can make deep connections with people. Today, everything may be good and happy. The bank account's full. Kids are well. But what does tomorrow hold? Maybe you don't need a group right now, but somebody needs you. right? Somebody needs your prayers. Hey, I don't even know what I'm praying about. I'm just thanking God for a good day. Well, somebody in this church needs you praying for them, and you need to be in a group to find out what that is. If you're sitting here today and you think, man, I need a deeper connection with people here at this church. lindsaylaneeast.org slash groups. There's your invitation. Zone out during point three. Just do that right now, okay? A third way of growing that we see in the text. Grow up, grow in, and the third thing is grow out through invitation and outreach. Through invitation and outreach. Look at the text again. All right, so this growth principle is not found throughout the text like the other two. It's found at the very end of the text. Okay, um, it's so I'm going to go a little bit like English teacher on you. Any English teachers in the room? Okay, good. So if I get something wrong, you won't call me on it. All right. Um, so one of the uh, uh, as you read, let me read this passage to you. Verse 47 uh, at the end of it, it says, "Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved." That's the grow out principle. All right. So anytime you're reading the Bible, you need to think back to your English classes in school. And I'm going to bore you for a second, but it's important. Subjects and verbs. You familiar with these things? Okay, so a subject is the person or thing that's doing the action. The verb is the action. If you read back through verses 41 through 46, what you'll discover is that the disciples or the followers or the new believers, they're the subject of every single sentence. Verses 41 through 46. Until verse 47, we have a subject change. Who's the subject of this sentence? The Lord. Isn't that good? See, when we do what we do, when we do what we're supposed to do, when we grow up and we grow in, guess what God does? He grows out. Because only God can grow out. 
Only God can add to the, their number those who are being saved. As this early church began to grow up and grow in, God began to grow them out. They were faithful to study the whole counsel of God from house to house and in the temple. They were worshiping, praying, taking care of each other. And as they did it, God multiplied their gathering. However, you and I should not assume, though it's not mentioned in the text, we should not assume that like the door was locked and that people were just banging on the door saying, hey, what are y'all talking about in there? Right? We're not to assume that there wasn't any intentional evangelistic effort. That's what I mean. Because we can have a great thing going on here, but if we don't tell anybody, ain't nobody coming. Your group could be awesome every single week. You don't tell nobody, ain't nobody coming. That's what's going on here. We, we, don't, get, we don't know their evangelistic, uh, we don't know their missional emphasis. We don't know how they went about this. But what we do know is that as they met together in the temple, as they went from house to house, they must have invited people to go along. They must have. Otherwise, how would, how would someone trust in Jesus? How would the Lord add to their number? They had to have heard the name of Jesus. They spent intentional time, they clearly spent intentional time talking in public about the teachings of Jesus. Peter wasn't blogging about the goodness of God. The early church didn't just print a poster and put it out at the, at the watering trough down the path. <laughs> I don't know. They were intentional in having conversations with people about what God was doing in their life through Jesus. And so in the same thread, we're praying that the outcome of our groups as we grow up and we grow in is that we will intentionally ask God to grow us out. If you're, a part of a, if you're going to be in a group, you already signed up. Guess what you need to do? Find somebody else to join the group with you. Sign them up on your phone, lindsaylaneeast.org slash groups. I think you all remember that before you all leave here today. God will multiply our ministry if we'll do the first two things and then be intentional to do that third thing too. I prayed this week as I was preparing this that God, by the end of this year, that we need many more groups. At least two is what I'm asking God by the fall of this year, I'd love to see us have to have two more groups. I wish Mike and Catherine would come to me and say, Heath, our groups are busting at the seams. We've got to have more group leaders. That's my prayer. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to take intentionality. Um, we're going to see so many more people grow in, grow up, grow in, and grow out. Um, I hope you see clearly what our groups are about. This is it. Um, in 2020, we want to see our groups multiply greatly, but we have to be intentional. Our groups exist to grow up in knowledge and understanding of God's word, to grow in through care for one another and meeting needs and grow out through invitation and outreach. This worship, ser- this worship service, as great as it can be, pales in comparison to the growth that will happen to you when you get a part of a group. I can't promise that you'll grow, but if you be a part of a group and you seek God, that will happen. You get to ask questions and talk through sticking points. So here, as I've already talked, here's the first part of the invitation. Get in a group. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to do it too. Grab your phone. Everybody, if you've got a smartphone, if you don't, you can just hang out. 
Your flip phone may not do it. But if you've got your phone with you, I want you to get it out. What pastor asks you to get your phone out during the service? Isn't this cool? Get your phone. Seriously. Get it out right now. And at the very top, I think I got slides for these, boss. You see those in there? Yeah, lindsaylaneeast.org. You can actually bypass what I'm going to show you here and type in slash groups if you want. But go to lindsaylaneeast.org. We've made this so simple for you, lindsaylaneeast.org. When you get there, you're going to scroll down after it loads. Okay, there we go. You're going to scroll down to this really cheesy graphic here with three little stick people, and you're going to click on groups. And right there, lo and behold, you scroll down a little bit, baby, and what do you find? A sign-up right there. And you give us first name, last name, email, and phone. Um, in your seats today were a description of all of those classes. Uh, sign up for one. You can also find a description, a little bit more detailed description when you click on group descriptions. It's an Excel spreadsheet that has a detailed uh, outline of what that class is going to cover like, I literally mean what I'm about to say. Patrick and the worship team, y'all come on up. Like, if you want to look through groups and make a commitment today to be a part of a group, like, you have my permission to stay on your phone during this worship song. Because the invitation is always for you to respond. What am I asking you to respond to today? To be a part of a group. So stay on your phone if you need to. If you need to look and you need to talk to the person beside you, man, do, do. Figure out what group God wants you to be a part of. Here's the second thing. Some of you may have already been signed up for a group. Here's, here's what I'm offering you today. Pray that God would do something great. Pray that God would do something great through our groups this year. Um, I've heard testimony after testimony from people here at East that talk about how much groups have meant to them. I want that to be your story. So some of you pray right where you are. You can come to this altar. Um, but here's another thing. Um, I, I would be crazy to think that all of you have trusted in Jesus. Here's the beautiful thing. Our worship gatherings are designed to help us practice what was broken in the fall. See, when sin came into the world, it not only wrecked our relationship with God, it wrecked our relationships with other people. Do you know that? It wrecked our relationships with other people. So when we gather to worship, one of the things that, that we want to do is to give you an opportunity to practice worshiping God that was broken in the fall. What our groups do is they provide... There's some funny pictures. Yeah, sorry. So one of the other things that our groups do is they provide you a chance to practice the very thing that sin wrecked. And that is good, healthy relationships with other people. Because, see, Jesus died not only to redeem us to God, but to redeem us to one another. And so if you've never trusted in Jesus today, if you've never um, called on him and surrendered your life to him, I would encourage you to do that today. I would love to talk with you. We've got members from our church um, who are committed to talk with you and help you know what it looks like to follow Jesus um, if you didn't have your smartphone or you don't do smartphone stuff, let um, let somebody <laughs> know, me or Greg or Noah or one of our staff or uh, volunteer leaders, let us know what group you'd like to be a part of and we'll sign you up, okay? Because we think this is important. But this invitation is for us to pray for our groups, for you to respond by signing up for a group or for you to come talk about what it means to follow Jesus. <laughs> Let's stand together. I'm going to pray 
And uh, Patrick is going to lead us in a song, and then Greg will come up and close us out after that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we know, uh, God, that uh, Jesus died for our sins, God, to make us new, and God, to redeem us to to a perfect and holy God, and also to redeem us to one another. God, we can have healthy relationships. Uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, help us here at East uh, to do that well in our groups. God, I pray that today, during this invitation, God, that we would respond as you've called us to. In Jesus' name.